This is the Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Catch Stan every weekday at 2 on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. He's back. Fires it to an open man and running up the field is Vance McDonald. Vance McDonald runs over a man. He's at the 40, the 35, the 30, the 25, the 20, the 15, 10. Touchdown. Vance McDonald completely ran over strong safety Chris Conte and then just zoomed up the left sideline. You know, he catches the ball and he he throws the guy to the ground and goes 70-some yards. So uh, that's a big play for us. It's good to have another weapon out there uh, to compliment Jesse and some of the other guys. He became healthy. He began to see a little bit of that last week. And it goes back to what I've been talking about, third weapons in the passing game, third and fourth weapons in the passing game. And they were evident last night, certainly with Vance McDonald, but also with a couple of key third down catches from James Washington. Those are the kinds of things that round out an offense, especially when your running game is not going or they didn't go to it enough. Whatever the reason was, uh, that that third and fourth elements, weapons to a passing game, can make all the difference in the world. We're broadcasting live from the Steelers facility on the south side. I'm Stan Saver. Normally, Jerry Dulac and Dale Lally uh, fill in after the Tomlin press conference until 1 p.m. when I come on, but they are on the way back from Tampa. So uh, I'm filling in uh, for them because they fill in for me. Turnabout is fair play. It's reciprocal. So I'm glad to be doing that. Uh, we're going to talk about the Steeler game. Rob King will be joining us today, 120, with his thoughts on the game. You can certainly get involved. I hope you will. 412-922-2874. Pound 970 on your cell. You can email me, Stan Savern at iHeartMedia.com. You can post on Facebook, Savern on Sports, or tweet at Stan Love the Show. There are an awful lot of elements to last night's game, some of them very good, some of them the same, which is not necessarily good. Uh, But the bottom line is, first and foremost, they needed a win, and they got a win. And that's exactly what had to happen. Uh, I can't imagine a more devastating scenario than to have led a football game over a red-hot team, leading them by a margin of 30 to 10, and then blowing the lead. And you know it came very close to happening. Certainly we can look at the defense, and we can look at maybe, I don't know, Fitzpatrick heating up. But I also think that you can point a finger at the offense to a degree. Uh, We often talk about when things don't go well, they got too conservative. But I also think that they lost a little bit of that edge. I mean, the best drive that they had in the entire second half ended up in a missed field goal. Now, it wasn't all bad because they did chew up over six minutes on the clock, and the clock at that point late in the third quarter was becoming a factor, and they got it down to a couple minutes left to go in the third quarter. Uh, The field goal would have been nice. It would have given them some more cushion uh, based on where Tampa was, and they could have tied it easily with a field goal could have won it with a touchdown, at least you had that protection. Uh, we'll talk about Chris Boswell. If you're asking me what his problem is, I have no idea. The coaching staff doesn't have any idea. Maybe Boswell himself doesn't have any idea. Uh, and that's a factor. And it's something that's got to be corrected. But by the same token, that's not the biggest problem they have. 
the significant plays in the game, and you heard uh, Tomlin address that, it's not only the Vance McDonald play, but it's the fact that when it happened, when it occurred, because the Steelers immediately, virtually, what, second drive of the game, they have a turnover. Tampa gets the ball, takes them about three plays to score on an 18-yard run, and the combination of the turnover and getting seven points or giving up seven points off of that, given what has happened to the Steelers in the first couple games of the year, that absolutely brought back memories of what's transpired in the first two games of the year. And that's why not only did the Vance McDonald touchdown get him to within a point, of course Boswell missed the extra point, but the, the, the response was critical because of the way the Buccaneers got their points from a bend turnover and the defense not standing up and stopping them. So that, was, that got them right back in the game. Got them right back in the game. I thought there was another critical situation when Tampa Bay marched down and the Steelers got a turnover and kept them out of the end zone. At that point, I believe they led 9-7. to seven. Uh, that, that was a factor, too. And that was an issue, too. Keeping people out of the end zone when you're either put in bad field position circumstances or you've given up yardage, not giving up touchdowns. Uh, the Steelers turned up the heat. I asked Mike Tom during the press conference, did they blitz more? Um, he gave me sort of a non-answer that they were within the range of what they normally do. Uh, I don't know. I'd like your input. It sure seemed to me that they were sending more people more frequently after Ryan Fitzpatrick. And not only just a linebacker, but oftentimes a combination of a linebacker and a defensive back, people coming off the edge. And first half anyway, it definitely had him shaken. Uh, I thought that Fitzpatrick was shaken by all that. Uh, There were people open. He didn't hit them. Uh, I thought the defensive backs did a pretty good job covering. Uh, I think one element that we we definitely need to talk about is the play of Joe Hayden. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and say that had Joe Hayden played against Kansas City that Pat Mahomes wouldn't have had six touchdown passes or that uh, magically the Steelers would have won the game. But I also think when you look at what Deshaun Jackson did in that game, which is to say very, very little, I think you look to one guy and one guy only, and that is the presence of Joe Hayden. Now, I asked Tom during the press conference if indeed – They shadowed him with Hayden, or if Jackson just happened to line up on that side with Evans on the other side, and he said it was more, that's where Jackson lines up. Hayden was on that side. Pick your poison. That's what I'm talking about when you have multiple offensive threats, uh, like Tampa does. When you've got an Evans on one side and a Deshaun Jackson on the other, and you've got a tight end like O.J. Howard, They can do damage. You can't take away everything. But Deshaun Jackson is the home run hitter. I mean, overall, Evans is their lead receiver. But Deshaun Jackson is their home run hitter. And he was quiet 
other than the punt return, which was called back, which has nothing to do with Joe Hayden. Uh, again, I don't know that if Joe Hayden is present against the Chiefs that that changes the outcome of that game, but I do think he has an impact by being able to take top receivers and if not taking him totally out of the game, then certainly minimizing the effect that they have. And I wonder if anybody else noticed that too. Uh, and again, I wonder if they were shadowing him. Uh, I do know that Evans hurt him a great deal. Uh, he beat up on Cody Sensiball. He beat up on Artie Burns. He beat them up when they doubled him. When Sean Davis came over the top, they still beat him for a touchdown. I mean, Mike Evans is a heck of a, a receiver. Um, but by the same token, if you want to be a winning team, certainly if you want to be a championship football team, then you've got to minimize the effect that you have with top receivers. I mean, every team's going to have at least one. Not every team will have two really good ones like Tampa has. Not every team is going to have two really good receivers and a good receiving tight end like Tampa has. Kind of like the Steelers, right? Pick your poison. But there's going to come a time when you've got to cool these people down. They did not do a good job on Mike Evans. And as far as the rotating cornerback, I don't know. Can you be adequate with volume? Is that going to be good enough to put two substandard cornerbacks on a receiver and say, we'll just rotate them, and hopefully one of them will be decent? I don't know what other options they have at this point. And again, they won't face the wide receiver group as a whole like they did with Kansas City. You're talking about the people that they have, Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins and Travis Kelsey. That's not always going to be the case. Uh, But still, it's an issue. Uh, What happened in the second half? I want to talk about that next. What changed in the first half of the second half? I don't know. Did they blitz less in the... I shouldn't say even blitz. Did they put less pressure on Fitzpatrick in the second half and the first by design? I think that the offense, based on what they produced, which is zero points, they're to blame too. Time of possession was not nearly what it was in the second half that it was in the first. It gave Fitzpatrick a chance to drive the field. And again, they could have used a takeaway. Uh, that's magic. You don't always get what you want. You can't always get what you want. But they came very close to blowing that game. And the thing about that penalty on the punt return is that it really had nothing to do with the play. I mean, it happened at the line of scrimmage. Now, maybe the guy that he held gets down the field and makes the tackle. Who knows? But normally when you see those kinds of things, you know, they're within a 10-yard radius of where the guy receives the punt. Those special teams, pretty bad. Punting was somewhat better. The kicking was not good. And you've got some people who are on the team primarily, and I shouldn't even say primarily, the only reason they're on the team is because of their ability to play special teams because they do not help you at the from the line of scrimmage. And if they are going to be a liability there, why bother having them? I want to get your thoughts on the game. Rob King will join us at 120.
412-922-2874. Pound 970 on your cell. You can email me, stansaverin at iheartmedia.com. You can post on Facebook, Saverin on Sports, or tweet at Stan Love the Show. It is Saverin on Sports on your home of the Steelers, ESPN Pittsburgh. The Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Little quick pop to the right flat. Outrunning a man inside the 15, the 20, the 10 is Antonio Brown, and that's a 28-yard touchdown. What a move he put on the defender, and he was gone. We always say winning cures a lot of things, but, but I still think uh, the biggest issue, if you will, was outside the locker room, people perceiving different things. We, I'm not saying we don't have issues. All teams have issues, and there's different things going on, but um, I think it was a little bigger than, than people probably, than it really is, than it was. Well, winning doesn't camouflage everything, uh, but at least for that time, A.B. looked completely happy dancing in the end zone. <laughs> <clears throat> and, um, uh, and, of course, there were no media members around the end zone, so that probably made him even happier. We're joined now by Tunch Oaken. Tunch, of course, called the game with Bill Hillgrove and Craig Wolfley on the Steelers radio network. Uh, the thing that I, struck me uh, about the first half yesterday is the way the Steelers responded. By that I mean... Right out of the chute, Ben throws a pick. Yeah. Three plays, and Tampa's in. And that was just eerily reminiscent of some of the things that have plagued them. And while any time a tight end stiff arms a guy into the <laughs> Gulf Bay, right? Yeah. And then runs something. But it was, it was the way they responded to that right. to kind of wipe away that initial bad memory, which coming off the Kansas City game could linger. Yeah, you know, one of the things, Stan, is you don't want to get into this, uh uh-oh, here we go again, Mm -hmm. uh, which could have been very easy. And then, uh, you know, Vance makes that play. uh, You know, it looks like Ditka. Uh, You know, he he put that stiff arm on Chris Conti and threw him on the ground and just – and then showed the speed. So, you know – uh, one of the things that we loved about we love about Vance McDonald is he's got that athleticism, he's got that physicality, and he's got speed. Uh, we saw the speed in the aftermath after running over Conti, and he just uh, outrunning everybody to the end zone. We saw it last year uh, against the Chicago Bears when uh, on that black field goal, where a black field goal, where uh, the, I forget who uh, uh, in the caught Bears him from was, yeah caught him from behind, stripped the ball. Uh, so he shows that hustle, and you know. Uh, the one-two punch of he, he and Jesse at tight end is going to really, I think it's going to develop over the se- as the, the season progresses. And it's going to be, uh, you know, uh, to quote Sid Gilman, he said, you got a, a tight end uh, that can control the middle of the field, you control the airways. And, uh, and you know, we, get, we got that. Hopefully he can stay healthy. Well, they've been looking for a place for Heath Miller, not that anybody would be able to replace him easily or readily. Uh, but, of course, that was what Ladarius Green was all about. Right. didn't work out, and that's why they got Vance McDonald. It, it filled into a narrative touch that I've been talking about since the beginning of the season, and that is uh, as good as Ben is, as good as A.B. is, as good as Juju uh, Smith-Schuster is. They needed a third weapon yeah. in the pass game. It could be the tight end, as it was last night, or it could be a James Washington. Right. He, he caught two really 
important yes. passes for first downs. Um, even though you've got pro bowlers and, you know, in, in the offensive line, they needed that third weapon, and maybe Vance McDonald is it while Washington develops. You know, and I, and I think that, uh, Stan, because of the dependability of James Washington uh, as a rookie and uh, what you have in Vance and what you have in Jesse James, uh, it would not be unusual for that third guy to rotate. You know what I mean? It, you know, the uh, the third guy to, you know, this week's it's Vance McDonald. Next week it might be James. The next week, you know, we've seen it. Jesse has been uh, stepping up to the plate. And, you know, it was surprising for me to, uh, at the end of the game, say, wow, Jesse only had one uh, reception. But, you know, and, and, and if that's the way it has to be, so be it. I mean, the, the fact that you've got dependable guys when the ball comes to them, they're going to make the catch. That's the most important thing. And, you know, the, the younger guys, I don't think they're as hungry uh, and, hey, give me the ball, give me the ball. Give me, I mean, they want it. Everybody wants the ball. But I think that, you know, uh, you, you focus on, on your two top guys first and then you uh, spread the ball around. And, of course, defenses are focusing on your top two guys right. as well. Yeah. Um, and even if you're not catching a lot of balls, you are helping the team, which right. is what I've you know, been trying to point out, not directly to A.B., why would he listen to me? Um, uh, and and the, the fourth element, you know, uh, when he was healthy a couple of year and a half ago, Eli Rogers provided some solid inside work. And I'm thinking of Ryan Switzer. That ball that he caught last night was a bullet that was that was a randy johnson fastball there and i mean catch it or wear it (laughs) exactly or or you have it puncture your lung have that thing hit your chest yeah um i i think that he really could be maybe i'm wrong about this but without Le'Veon bell not that james connor can't get involved but he's still not as accomplished as a pass receiver so last week when they got going when they were 21 to nothing they went empty they left connor on the sideline and they went four wides, and the tight end, the fourth guy, was Ryan Switzer. Right. And, you know, that's what they used on the goal line uh, as well. I mean, he could be an inside guy. I think he's got some skills. Yeah, you know, and, and the, they've used him some in uh, running the ball. You know, he's he's kind of uh, the – Jet sweep Yeah, things. like uh, David Megan, you know, uh, or, you know, the, the way that Kansas City uses Tyreek Hill. Uh, he's not Tyreek Hill, but, he's, but he is a very productive – uh, you know, slot receiver who can, uh, you know, who you can pitch it out to. You know, they bring him in the backfield, and uh, he he does all, uh, he can do a number of things for you. He's very very versatile, and you know the, the and you use him. I I you know I, I I you know and in practice they used him right from the get go. Stan, as soon as they got him, and he must be a quick study because he jumped right in and was uh, you know you, you didn't see him. Uh, have any mental mistakes? You didn't see him any of the coaches calling him out because he knew exactly what to do and when and where. So I, you know, I think he's a he's going to be a very productive uh, player as well. I want to talk about the defense? Um, you know, created a lot of turnovers. Um, I will say that two of the three picks uh, were really bad throws by right. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Although you have to give credit to pressure, which right. forces into those things. I asked us at the press conference and didn't get an answer. I don't think Mike Tomlin likes me anymore. Um, (laughs) He doesn't answer my questions. But um, did it seem to you as though they brought more people more frequently than they have in the first couple games? Well, you know, uh, 
I know that they brought pressure yesterday. They brought Bostic a lot. Yeah, I think they've been bringing pressure. Uh, you know, uh, they, I've seen Vince Williams come a number of times. You know, one I guess of the, I get that because I saw the combination of linebackers and defensive right, backs on the yeah. same blitz. Yeah, so, you know, I, 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 I can't say that I've charted the blitz and I haven't seen the film yet. Um, but, uh, you know, they – They've done a really good – yesterday they did a really good job of showing you one look and bringing someone else. Uh, and and so, uh, you know, when, when Bostic came in from the outside, that – you know, mostly John Bostic's the guy that comes from the inside, and they'll put Vince, out, Vince Williams out on the outside. They'll bring him from the uh, outside. I think the, the reason they didn't have it picked up yesterday was because they brought Vince on the inside and they brought John Bostic from the outside, hence the uh, uh, deflected pass that was inter- uh, intercepted by Mike Hilton. But one of the things that, uh, y- you know, knowing Keith Butler, he's going to bring pressure. Now, where is it going to come from? That's one of the things that they, they keep rotating. I think uh, Vince Williams is the their best blitzer, uh, even better than John Bostic, because Vince does a great job of timing uh, the count, timing the cadence. Uh, he does a great job of coming from off and getting to the quarterback. And, you know, last year he had, what, eight sacks? Uh, and, you know, he's kind of picking up uh, in that vein. So the, the, the short answer is, yes, they brought pressure. Uh, the, the shorter answer is they do bring pressure, and they want to bring pressure. Uh, yesterday, uh, what what happened was they did a great job of getting home, and that's what uh, caused the turnovers, caused the uh, the pick six to to. And then you, you look at uh, uh, Bud Dupree; he did a great job yesterday. Uh, he got a sack on a on a twist, and they're running a little bit more twist. One of the things you're finding out in in Bud Dupree is when he's the loop guy on a twist, he gets there in a hurry. He's got great closing speed, and uh, he got. A sack one time, and he got a pressure another time, and you know you're, you you find what works, and then you 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 just start a steady diet of that, and then you adjust to their adjustment because they're they're going to eventually adjust to it. What impressed me about Dupree was not the interception; it was thrown right to him. It was a bad throw, but okay. Yeah, he caught it. He caught it right. Um, the second sack. You know, he has been guilty of running past the quarterback. Right. The second sack, unlike the first, which he got with his speed, which he has, and his long arms, the second sack, he stopped and found the quarterback and went back to him. Right. That's something I hadn't seen him do much of. That's what impressed me uh, more than anything else he did in the game. That's a great point by you, Stan. Yesterday, he had a better feel for the depth of the quarterback, you know. And one of the things I think it is – might be is that he was coached that hey uh fitzpatrick loves to step up into the pocket and he does a great job one of the things that you 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 notice about ryan fitzpatrick you know he runs sometimes but but what he's really good at is moving around in the pocket and he does that uh and and he loves to step up and so what i think what what we saw in bud dupree was hey, I'm going to be conscious of him stepping up in the pocket, and that's why I think uh, uh, he had a lot of success last night. When we talk about bringing pressure, of course, when you do that, you're leaving your secondary out there to cover right. people. And, you know, there's there's no perfect defense. There's right. always a vulnerability. Um, what happened to the defense, not even in the second half, because through the three quarters yeah. they were shutting him down. 
um, the one field goal drive they got, it took them five minutes to do it. Fine, right. you'll trade that when right. you're up 30 to 10. But certainly things changed in the fourth quarter. What, what happened there? You know what? I, there was, uh, uh, you know, on, on the, you know, like on on the uh, the touchdown pass to to Mike Evans uh, over Artie. You know, one of the things that I've noticed is it, it seems that when Artie gets beat on the long throw where he's in man coverage, there is a point where he transitions from man to ball where it it almost looks like he slows down. Uh, you know, the, there, there's two steps in that period, and that's what I in in that sequence, and that's what happened yesterday. Uh, that throw to Mike Evans, it was almost like he was transitioning from the man to ball. Now, once again, I got to go watch the film, but it almost looks like he slows down, and and that's what got Mike Evans open. Now, uh, also, Mike Evans, he is a phenomenal receiver. I mean, he, you know, the the guy's got uh, an arm span. Uh, wingspan like a condor uh you know he uh you know it's six five two thirty and he can run and he can get open and he's very very physical and he does a great job body control is uh uh is phenomenal so uh you know i'm gonna give him that uh on on that play but uh you know there were uh and and they had they have three really good receivers between and Deshaun Jackson, although he didn't play a lot in the first half, and I was wondering if he was dinged up or not, and then Mike Evans, O.J. Howard, and then also uh, uh, Chris Godwin. Godwin. Uh, you know, he made a couple really nice catches yesterday. And, and, it, and it's not by accident that Ryan Fitzpatrick had 400 yards in his first two games and eight touchdowns. I mean, let's face it, he played really, really well. And he beat two really good football teams in the New Orleans Saints and the Philadelphia Eagles. It wasn't ex- against, you know, the little sisters of the poor. So, you know, I'm 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 going to say to your question, you know, those are plays that that he that he was bound to make, and uh, and he made them. And the the uh, the challenge was, okay, now you got to make a stop when you absolutely have to make a stop, and that's what uh, uh, what they did yesterday. If we boiled it down. And Fitzpatrick did bring him back. And what happened in the fourth quarter? Do you put some of the onus on the offense? Yeah, I mean you you've got to play you've got to play ball control. Look, when you lose David David DeCastro and Marcus Gilbert, that is significant. Now, Matt Filer and B.J. Finney did a great job. They did a really good job on uh, uh, in, in pass blocking, especially giving Ben time when. Um, where you you probably saw maybe a couple breakdowns was you know when you run the ball when you run the inside outside zone you run a lot of combination blocking and so that's where you might have felt uh, uh, the the lack of Marcus Gilbert and David DeCastro. Now uh, the other thing is we saw this early in the game they started trying to run wide on Tampa but the one thing is. Between Quan Alexander and uh, Levante David, those guys are fast, athletic linebackers, and they—they're not point of attack linebackers. They're not downhill. They're run around block guys, and so when you're trying to run on the perimeter against guys like that, they have the speed to run around blocks and make plays from the backside. And I think we saw a lot of that down the stretch. We saw a lot of quick hitters between the tackles, and that's when. Uh, James Conner got on a roll. And and I think, uh, you know, in, in retrospect, maybe we should have run in between the tackles a lot early, uh, you know, earlier in the game. 
But yeah, you know, you you put the the onus on. One of the things you want to do is you want to control the uh, the game, control the clock, and they did that at times, and then then they didn't do it at times. But I think it, you know what you saw was a, a a good football team. They have a good front seven. Uh, their their linebackers are very very active. Uh, you know, Gerald McCoy is one of the best defensive tackles in the game. You know, now that you've got John Pierre Paul, you know he's he, he's good. They move him inside uh, in nickel in in sub packages. Vince Curry uh, is good. You know they, they and they rotate their guys. You know you see Golston in there, uh, and so one of the things that you know I think we got to give them credit. That's a good football team. Uh, and uh, now, what I think that you're going to see is the building of both sides of the ball offensively and defensively you know i think that the the more the defenses and the secondary is going to play together you're going to see you know you know you're going to see better football same thing offensively you know you get everybody healthy and uh you know you get uh, uh your your all pro right guard and a guy in marcus gilbert who very well could have made the pro bowl last year all right, Tunch. Um, it's been a late night. You're not done yet. <laughs> Tunch uh, and Wolf were on this morning from 10 until noon. They will be there um, every morning from 10 until noon. That would be tomorrow morning as well. And Tunch visits with us the day after game, so that means next Monday uh, after another late night. Well, after another late night, we'll do it again. We'll do it again. Thank <laughs> but you it's at home. It is at home. We'll get home earlier. That, that yeah. makes it. Yeah. Well, you'll be home. I'll also be doing the postgame Yeah, that's show, right. That's you'll, okay. Yeah. Uh, but I'll say hello to you as you yeah. drive home. Uh, thank you, Tunch, for stopping <laughs> right. by. Thanks, Dan. All right. Uh, another one of our favorites, Rob King, will join us next. We'll be talking some Steeler football with Rob King. want to hear from you as well uh, on last night's win. I mean, that's, that's the thing. Um, they, they needed a win. Uh, without a question of a doubt. Um, but that doesn't mean that you don't pay attention to things that are issues. Um, and they remain issues, and we'll see whether they can get cleaned up. 412-922-2874, pound 970. It's Saverin on Sports. Rob King joins me next on ESPN Pittsburgh. The Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Big rush. Fires a pass on a crossing route. Steelers miss a tackle. And that's going to be a first down. The ball came out. That is Chris Godwin who fumbled the football. And the Pittsburgh Steelers on the Artie Burns hit come up with it. Mike Hilton says thank you. It's always the case, you know. Uh, we turned the ball over in Cleveland and you saw what happened. So you win that battle, you give yourself a chance, no doubt. Plus three in turnovers last night. And uh, that set up some things for the Steelers offense. Rick posts on Facebook. Among other things, something has to change with already Burns. I know sometimes the other guy is better, but with as much talent as the experts say Burns has, the other guy shouldn't be better as often as has been the case. There's no question about that. We're going to bring Rob King in here in just a moment. Let's talk to Lincoln in Seattle, Washington. Hello, Lincoln. Hey, Stan. Uh, thanks a lot, and thank you for your show, and uh, keep up the good work of asking uh, Mike Tomlin the tough questions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting many answers, but I'll ask the questions. Um, I, I I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, what you're saying about the uh, defensive backfield, um, I thought the one on the Evans play. I thought that um, I got a couple couple things I wanted to say was uh, Sean Davis. I thought he would have 
been over there to help him out. Um, but he was over. He was over there, but he didn't help him out. No, yeah, he started <laughs> out too late, you know, and then um, so I think that's an issue, you know, with uh, especially with Mike Evans. I mean, that guy's huge, and uh, you know, if he runs past him, I mean. Uh, who do you think he's going to go to? He's going to go to him, and I, I thought that uh, Davis would at least cover him, but um, it didn't happen. Also, I think the most important thing last night in the fourth quarter, uh, I think we found a diamond in the rough with uh, Switzer. Um, that one, um, we stopped Tampa Bay, and uh, they punted it, and he made a fantastic catch over-the-back catch, over-the-shoulder, excuse me, catch, and ran it up for like 16 yards, and then, and then we uh, ran out the clock. But I thought that was the most important play of the game, I mean the fourth quarter, excuse me, of the game there. He he was very impressive. The only thing I have about him was when he went out of bounds, when he caught the ball, I was like, ah, I, you know, you like to see him run the clock out, have presence of knowing you know, time management and clock management that the, you can't just run out of bounds when you have less than, you know, two minutes remaining there to give the team, you know, some time left. Yeah, hey, it's, it's, thanks it's, a lot, and I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Lincoln. I appreciate the call. Um, that that particular play, there was a tough, you know, get as much as you can, get the first down, um, or stay in bounds and not get the first down. That, that That's your choice there. Um, once they got that going, they did you know a pretty good job of that. That's about the only positive thing they did offensively in the second half. Although, again, the one drive ended in the missed field goal, uh, but they did take five, six minutes off the clock, which at that point, given the uh, lead that they had, um, there's value in that too. We're joined now by Rob King, my colleague at AT&T Sportsnet. Um, Rob, I think, you know, bottom line, they needed a win. They needed a win uh, badly. Um, there were some things that were much better, uh, but the downside is there some things were the same, and that's not a good thing. Hello, Rob, you there? I guess Rob is not there. All right, back to some of your comments. Um, uh, Robert tweets and said, Hayward Bay's meltdown was totally unnecessary. I guess he felt that he was flagged unfairly. There was some sort of a procedural. All right, Rob's back on the line. Rob, I was just saying that uh, they, they needed to win badly, no question. Um, and there were some things that certainly were better, uh, but some things were the same, which isn't necessarily a good thing. Yeah, I mean, there's some things to clean up. I think at this point you just take the win and move on. Um, you know, you, the the mistakes happen pretty much in every phase of the game against Cleveland and in every phase of the game against Kansas City. Um, even the offense, I thought, against Kansas City could have done a better job of running two-minute drill towards the end of the game, maybe giving themselves a little more time to get a stop and get the ball back and, and have one more chance to score. That's probably the only critique I would have in, of the offense in that game. But you know, special teams, offense, um, particularly the defense, those have been issues through through three games. But you won. That was the most important thing that you needed to do. And so, yeah, there's definitely some things to clean up. Uh, I thought a lot of guys were in position 
to make plays uh, on the back end that maybe could have been made um, that didn't happen. But it's at least, you know, there's I take a little bit of solace in that. Uh, for example, the long pass to Mike Evans, Artie Burns was right there. Um, and, but Sean Davis should have been over the top to help him out. So there's, there's still some things that need to be cleaned up. But I think you take the win and you move on. Yeah, uh, obviously they, they, you know, they, they've got a rotating issue going on a cornerback, uh, but it's not because they just can't find enough playing time for all three of them. It's because they're waiting for someone. These are Tomlin's words. We're waiting for someone to take the job. Thus far, no one has. And I mentioned early in the program, Rob, I would not never go so far as to say, well, if Joe Hayden had been healthy last week, the outcome might have been different. Uh, you know, who's to say? Uh, but really, um, he took Deshaun Jackson basically out of the game. and that, I mean, that's how good he is and can be and how much he means to that defense. I don't think there's any question, Stan, that that's a big blow and how important he is. And really, I think when you look at any team, how important a top cornerback is. Because you're expecting and you're paying your top cornerback to try to take the other team's top receiver out as much as possible. One of the points I brought up in the pregame show prior to the Chiefs game, was that the Chiefs were a little bit like the Steelers have been in the last couple of years. Okay, you got Antonio Brown. Okay, well, we'll put our best guy on him and cross our fingers. Well, now you got Martavis Bryant. Okay, well, now you got Juju Smith-Schuster. Oh, jeez, now you got Le'Veon Bell. You run out of quality defenders. The team just out-talents you across the board. And, I, you know, that was my – the only difference I thought last night with Tampa Bay is they just don't have the running back. Um, and the running game. They don't have the running back threat coming out of the backfield as much. They don't have the running game as much. But they're also really talented. So what would happen if you'd taken Joe Hayden out of that game last night? What would happen if you'd inserted Joe Hayden into the game against Kansas City? Yes, I absolutely believe your top players have a huge impact, a huge trickle-down effect. Because let's not forget, too, not only do you run out of quality defenders, but now you know your second-best corner is covering their best guy. Your third-best corner is covering their second-best guy, and, and the talent gap just widens out. However, everybody gets hurt, and so that's, that, you know, that's the logical side of it. The other side of it is everybody has injuries, and you've got to find a way to win, and the Steelers should at least be 2-1 and one, um, and not 1-1 one, one, and 1-3-3 one, three, three games, and that's not – I don't blame that on Joe Hayden. I blame that on mistakes that the team has made. Yeah, undoubtedly. Um, I uh... – Clearly, they got better pressure on Fitzpatrick. Um, the interceptions that they – two of the three interceptions they got um, uh, were really bad throws by Fitzpatrick, but you can't discount the, the pressure they got. But as you know, um, I felt that they brought more pressure more often with different people, combinations of linebackers and defensive backs coming after him. But, of course, when you do that, you're exposing your secondary. So there's always a, a quid pro quo. You know, people are like, you know, blitz him, get him, get after him. You know, there's a price to pay for that sometimes. Yeah, well, first of all, I also thought Fitzpatrick made, he made a handful of unbelievable throws with guys right in his face um, as he was getting hit. So the pressure, even with the pressure, sometimes guys are going to make plays. But the other thing with Tampa Bay is they have, really no running presence at all. So I think that allows you to empty the vault a little bit and just go after the quarterback and, and make that your primary concern and not worry too much about the run. I think that helps your pass rush be effective. But your larger point about 
risk-reward. To some degree, that's always what the Steelers have been. We are going to pressure you into making mistakes, we're gonna, and we're going to keep things in front of us on the back end, and we'll keep coming after you, and eventually we're going to get to you or our pressure is going to cause you to make a mistake. And that, that might be a simple way of describing it, um, but when the Steelers had great defenses, that's what they did. They also stopped the run and caused a lot of third and eights and third and nines where they could attack, um, which this defense the last couple of years has not been nearly as effective at. So, yes, it was, it was great to see the pressure, but I think part of that is because I don't think you had to worry too much about Tampa running the ball. Uh, very true. Uh, you talk about the rotating issue at, at cornerback opposite Hayden. Um, you know, you're putting three guys in there who haven't performed well. Uh, can this team consider itself? I mean, obviously, they can see on tape. I mean, hey, Mike Evans is a heck of a player. Uh, you know, and mm-hmm. Kansas, Kansas great player. Yeah, great player. And Kansas City has great receivers as well. Uh, but, you know, teams are going to – look, if you can't stop it, why in the world would you throw anywhere near Joe Hayden when you can throw on the other side? And unless – I don't care how many guys you rotate, if they're all of the same talent level, I mean, is this going to be an Achilles heel for them all season long? Well, we'll see. Um, you know, they've got um, – and it's not just corner. Um, you know, you need, you need your safeties. Uh, I think we pointed out the long pass down to Evans. And look, Evans is going to make plays. That was a heck of a catch. I thought Burns was in great position. It was also a wonderful throw. Hit about six inches between the outstretched fingers of Artie Burns and, and the receptive hands of Mike Evans, who made just a great catch in that play. But, again, um, you know, sometimes the safety needs to be over the top and help you out as well. You know, they're still relatively young, but at, by the end of this year they won't be. Um, guys like Artie Burns and Sean Davis, um, you get to the point now with the amount of football that they play that you stop considering them as young players. This is a huge year for guys like that. They need to step up and they need to show that they're part of the solution and not, like you said, part of a potential problem that could keep you from reaching your ultimate goal of winning the Super Bowl. Did you feel that you alluded to it earlier? Joe posts on Facebook and said, why they take their foot off the gas pedal in the second half. You alluded to it briefly. Um, the best drive they had uh, before the last one, which helped kill the clock, was the f- drive that led to the missed field goal by Chris Boswell. I can't even imagine you know, what's going on with him. Uh, but did you feel like they took the foot off the gas a little bit in the second half? Yeah, I do. I, I, I did think they did. You know, but... Again, Boswell makes that field goal, um, and you know maybe the maybe the way the game is played changes a little bit. And I mean, you can talk about Joe Hayden. Uh, you know, you can talk about Boswell. He had a chance to win the game against Cleveland. Um, he missed a field goal against Kansas City. This is a guy who's been an unbelievably reliable kicker for the Steelers and an incredibly clutch kicker for the Steelers. I'm not sure what's going on with him and. You know, Mike Tomlin reiterated that, you know, that's his guy, and he's sticking with him. He's a great kicker, and they just got to get him to (laughs) make field goals and make kicks and make extra points. Um, But, yes, I I did feel like maybe they weren't as aggressive. Part of that is, you know, you don't want to make a mistake and let a a team back in it. You're walking that fine line up 20 between staying aggressive, finishing an opponent off, and also giving them new life through a mistake that you made. And I, I thought maybe they they got just a little more cautious than they needed to be in that second half. That's just my opinion. 
maybe they would disagree with that. I'm sure they probably would, but that's what it felt like to me. Yeah, it felt like that to me too, uh, that the offense, whatever the defense problems it had in the fourth quarter, they could have been avoided uh, by more, not wild offense, but a bit more aggressive. Lastly, we're getting a lot of comments about the roughing the passer calls. Uh, This is not just about the Steeler game last night. It's endemic. Uh, My my thought on it, Rob, was that um, if I'm sitting in Albuquerque and I don't have any allegiance to the Steelers or Tampa Bay and I don't have a bet on the game, and I'm seeing this and I'm saying – there's got to be a movie on I can watch. I really think they're. Turning, <laughs> I think I think they're really turning people off. I mean, you know, the, even the league came out. Their sources said that they're concerned about it. They may not do anything about it, but this you know, you can't land on the quarterback. Um, they're just making it too hard. And I, you know, I, I wanted your thoughts on this. Well, uh, let me reiterate what I've said in the past about I am all for the league. Um, doing anything and everything they can possibly do to eliminate helmet hits. Um, I just think that that's, uh, there's, there's nothing really tough about a helmet hit. It can be avoided, um, and the long-term health implications for the players uh, is just, um, it's too serious to avoid that. Okay, so, uh, and I know a lot of people think that's manby-pamby. I think that argument is ridiculous. Um, you don't need, there's nothing tough about hitting a guy in the head. You can hit him, hit him with your shoulder pad in the chest. It's just as tough as hitting a guy who's not looking in the head. Okay, fine. Now, I think there's a couple rules that are bad rules. I think the defenseless receiver rule is a bad rule. There's still, it still is a sport played by tough guys, and concussions are still going to happen. You hit a guy hard enough and he lands on the ground and hits his head, a concussion can still happen. To me, that is um, that sort of collateral damage in the sport. That I don't see how you can eliminate that. I think the defenseless receiver rule is a bad rule because I think fear is a separator, and that's fear and toughness. That was a separator for Heinz Ward that he would go over the middle and absorb hits. This um, roughing the passer rule, I think it's a bad rule. Um, I think they protect the quarterbacks enough. Um, I can't remember. You'll remember who it was that picked up Terry Bradshaw and slammed him down. You can't have that, obviously. Joe, the, the Joe, sack, Tur- Joe Turkey Jones. That's right. Yes, thank you. The sack of Ben in the first game in Cleveland, um, that's not roughing the passer in my opinion. Um, what we've seen with the Matthews hits, what we saw last night, it looked to me like Tewitt tried to land on his elbows um, so that he wouldn't put his full weight on Ryan Fitzpatrick. We got a guy got down in Miami getting hurt, yep. tearing his ACL because he's trying to avoid hitting the quarterback. These guys are football players too. It's a tough guy sport. How is that going to change the dynamic if a quarterback thinks, well, I can stand in here all day and not really worry about getting lit up? Like I said, Fitzpatrick made some good throws with guys in his face. What? So now, now all I have to be worried about is being gently you know, wrestled to the ground? It's, I, it's, it's a separator for me. Um, they're still football players. What John Bostic did last night, that's a flag every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Um, but the roughing the passers, um, I just, I don't think those are. I, I just, I think the NFL has gone astray with that rule. I don't yeah. like it. Well, this may offer some hope. Uh, this report out uh, next week. The NFL's competition committee plans to discuss the large number of roughing the passer penalties in the league so far this season. Although the same source says he doesn't think anything's going to change. Mike Tomlin briefly addressed it. They've already had a conference call about it. He's a member of the competition committee. Um, He's not real happy about the thing 
uh, either. Rob, thank you very much. Great conversation, as always. Looking forward to it, Stan. Thanks, man. Okay. Thanks, Rob. Rob King, AT&T Sportsnet.